You are listening to the Health Disparities Podcast from Movement is Life, a series of conversations about health disparities with people who are working to eliminate them. Today, I'm discussing health disparities with Carter Todd. Carter Todd is a recent graduate of the Betty Irene Moore School of Nursing, clinical pediatric nurse at University of California Davis Medical Center in Sacramento, and president of the Black Nurses Association in his city. At last year's conference, he received a 40 and under award from the National Black Nurses Association, recognizing his community service. Welcome, Carter. Thank you for having me. Let me start by asking, can you talk a little bit about the things that are contributing to health disparities in Sacramento? Yeah, so I think Sacramento specifically, a lot of the disparities that we find revolve around access, access to care. I think people have an assumption that being in California with such a big state that we have a lot of more access to allocated resources where in a city like Sacramento, you see them kind of um, siloed in certain areas. So our focus of Capital City Black Nurses is to find those hidden spots where the access is not readily available and trying to shine some light there. Do you think there's any aspects of health disparities that are unique to Sacramento or, or are these things you will see in any U.S. city? So I think California as a whole is very special in the fact that we have a lot of um, undocumented uh, people living there. So outside of the black community, the Hispanic population is, is prevalent in Sacramento and those folks uh, deserve and need the access to care. And under the current uh, political situations and climates, it's, it's readily difficult to get them care. So I think that would be something that is very specific to the Sacramento area. Right, you mentioned you know, access. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of health literacy and education? Yeah. Do those play a role in yeah. those communities that you see? Definitely. I mean, health literacy, it can span a couple different ways. It can go, okay, do you, do you literally understand the words, the medications, the, the vernacular of, of medicine? But then also, do you understand how it really applies to your everyday life? You know, you can know what the word hypertension means, but do you know what it looks like in your body? Do you know the foods that can contribute to that? The mental health issues that are playing into that as well. So I think the, um, the health literacy is something that our group tends to focus on. I think that that's where uh, nursing organizations like ours have the ability to really speak the same language and do a lot of that translating in the middle ground. Great. I understand that you are doing some or have done some research in barbershops. Yes, ma'am. With a view of increasing the number of African-American men in nursing. So tell me how that all came about and could you share some success stories? Sure. So that was a really um, organic process. It was really iterative. Originally, I wanted to do like a commercial type of uh, outreach program. And for me, I used to play ball coming out of high school and played in college, a little football and baseball. And when I became a nurse, it really changed my outlook on life. And I say it changed me for the better. And um, I guess the motivation for that project is to try to get that type of change as many other black men as possible. So working with my thesis chair, Dr. Kapir Yakubin Barger, who is an amazing researcher and academic, um, we came up with the idea to go into three of the local barbershops in Sacramento, three of the predominantly African-American communities, and to just talk to the men and try to understand 
and get to know what they thought about nursing as a career path, if they even understood that nursing is a career path, and to maybe ask the question and get an answer as to why there aren't more black men in nursing. So you were one of the founding members, right, of the Capital City Black Nurses Association. Yes, ma'am. Were you surprised to find that there was no such organization in Sacramento at that time? And, and since then, has that really fulfilled, you know, an important need for that area? Yeah. You know, the process of starting this chapter and sitting in this room right now has been something out of a movie. Um, you know, I came out of nursing school not too long ago. And during school, we got a, a talk from a gentleman who was part of the Bay Area Black Nurses Association by the name of Greg Woods. He the, was the past president. He came and spoke and talked about his organization, thought about joining, but it was in Bay Area, which geographically it's about two and a half hours away from Sacramento. So I came out of a, a nursing school and I'm working for about a year and I realized, okay, I work on a unit with 120 nurses and there's one black man and that's it. Uh, immediately I saw the problem, wanted to create a solution. So within that solution, I joined the National Black Nurses. So Dr. Eric Williams, who you will probably be speaking with, he actually called me out of the blue, sitting at home, and he said, hello, I seen that you signed up in Sacramento. We really could use a chapter there. What are your thoughts? So for me, being a young nursing, uh, nursing student, new into the profession, for me, that absolutely blown me away. So just him having that phone call and believing in me and taking the time, I felt like that was then my duty to go and make it happen. So I accumulated, um, about 15, myself and another uh, colleague of mine accumulated about 15 nurses to sign up within a two-week period, which is pretty hard to do, get people to pay dues into an organization. And we were chartered within the first month. We came to the conference two months later, about a year ago. And fast forward to this moment now, we've now um, been very fortunate to balloon up to about 25 members. We've had um, press releases. We've been in multiple high schools, about five high schools, talking about nursing and the profession and all it can do for people. We take place in a, a lot of the health fairs around Sacramento. And what it's really done is made me believe that we really can change things through nursing because the advocacy part of nursing, it's a, it's a different hat than you wear in the clinical and the bedside. But I think it's a, just as important of a hat because um, healthcare takes place outside of the hospital. And through this organization, we have the ability to do that. Do you feel that during your educational journey of becoming a nurse, do you feel that the issues of equitable care, access to care, and the social determinants of health mm. that play a factor in a person's overall well-being, do you feel that those issues are being adequately addressed during the educational journey of becoming a nurse? That's a really good question. Um, immediately, I think, to say no, because if they were adequately addressed, we wouldn't still have the issue. You know what I'm saying? So obviously, if there's still a problem, there still needs to be a solution. I think that nursing schools do a good job of making the attempt. Some attempt more than others. Um, some schools do a lot more as a regard to teaching a cultural humility, um, you know, really stretching themselves to be outside of their comfort zone. But I think there's awfully, definitely a, a room to improve. And ultimately, you need more people from the communities in which you're discussing and um, who truly understand the, the different cultures that are being discussed, right? Um, you can say that, you know, 
typically these people usually do this, but if you don't have any clinical experience or, or of that ethnic background yourself, it's always going to be a little bit more skewed. You know, nurses oftentimes get to know the patient a lot better, yeah. more intimately than um, the physicians, you know, or some of the um, advanced healthcare providers that they're also seeing. So as a nurse, what do you think that patients can do to help combat some of these health disparities mm. that exist? What can patients do as individuals? Yeah, you're right. We get to spend the full 12 hours with them, you know, and it's, it, I, I believe it's an honor that nurses are charged with to be there with the patients during those times of the, some of the happiest and saddest times of the whole lives. Working in the pediatric ICU, I say I'm seeing folks during the worst week of their whole life. So um, to prevent that from happening, and something else that I always tell them is, you know, don't come see me. It starts before you come to the hospital. So it becomes a sense of trying to have a basic understanding of what health is. It revolves around your, your nutrition, obviously your exercise, your physical activity, and then your mental well-being. And those are things that you don't have to have a college degree to, to genuinely have like a general understanding of, right? You eat green leafy vegetables, some fruits and veggies, try to get out and sweat every now and then, and then whenever you're feeling stressed out, take a deep breath. And if you can start there, I think that people would really not have to come see me as often. That's, 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 yeah, that's good advice. Prevention, you know. Prevention. Pre yeah, prevention. You know, pre prevention is the key. Um, you know, it's going to take a village. It's going to take this whole mm -hmm. country, you know, to all work together to, um, to eliminate, you know, these dreaded disparities that exist. And make sure that as professionals that we're addressing the social determinants oh, yeah. of health that, you know, play such a vital role in an individual's, you know, overall well-being. So with your, uh, with your chapter in your city, you guys have any immediate goals or immediate plans in terms of projects or anything that you all may look to do as they relate to the social determinants of health? Yeah, so we're actually, we partnered with a local nonprofit, Yes to College, um, Sharon Chandler. She runs that and they do a conference every year, the African American Women's Health Legacy. And they have the ability to reach out to um, the underserved populations and bring base those basic resources and educational points that I just spoke to. They bring that in a conference form and then also push the profession of nursing at the same time. So partnering in, in aspects of that, doing more than just the typical blood sugar and glucose checks and really trying to get on, like we were talking about, the preventative side and getting people to understand what it looks like before they have to come to the hospital. Um, I think people understanding the statistics um, of the, the disparities will maybe make people um, open up a little bit more and, and take it a little bit more serious. When you really look at the numbers, it's quite frightening. Um, and we see it all the time, but I think the common person who healthcare is not their, their second language, you just don't think about it, and that's normal. You know, and students, you know, historically have always been, you know, on the forefront, you know, of, of pushing for change, you mm -hmm. know, throughout throughout the, the history. And so, you know, I think as, as, as nursing students and as a, a graduate of a nursing program, that, you know, obviously it's very important um, that we try to get individuals to be advocates mm -hmm. and, and the mentorship and, and, the, and the push, you know, to get, you know, our young people 
you know, involved in this whole healthcare arena and this whole idea of health disparities and, and, um, and get them more involved. What do you think the other end of the scope here, the healthcare professionals? How do you feel that we can get them more engaged in realizing that it's some of these social determinants of health that really needs to be looked at harder instead of just looking at the patient and going, oh, well, Ms. Jones, you're not doing X, Y, and Z, but maybe that healthcare professional isn't looking at all of the other factors that contribute to why mm -hmm. Mrs. Jones isn't doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Any thoughts on what we can do to get professionals more involved? I think the, the term professional, it, you have to remember that we're people too, and people come from a lot of different backgrounds. So fortunately and unfortunately, you have to put into policy different uh, rules and regulations that focus on those areas and make it a, a best practice. So when it comes to using interpreters, when it comes to discussing someone's living situation at home and thinking about if they can pick up their medications, those roads need to be traveled and it's not an option, it should be a necessity. So I think starting from a policy level, maybe even implementing, um, I know nursing schools try to have classes on equity and cultural um, awareness, but making it a, a recurring theme as part of your CEUs, we have to keep going to school and staying up to date with different practices. So maybe incorporating um, cultural awareness into those practices so that we never forget. Because like you said, when you're a student, you're definitely engulfed and you're ready and you're, you're about to fight. I think uh, 20 years down the road, it'd be nice to, to revisit. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you bring up an issue that also is in the forefront, and that's cultural sensitivity, mm -hmm. cultural competency, cultural awareness that, you know, we all are different, and we can't bring just our own views to the table when Definitely. we're taking care of individuals that, you know, we have to make sure that we understand where that individual is coming from. Mm -hmm. So we have a few minutes remaining, and I'd just like to ask you, one last question, and that is, you are now or have been a member of the National Black Nurses Association. Uh, where do you see yourself going within that organization? Within NBNA, wherever they'll let me go, and I feel like these doors keep opening. This is my second year here in a row, and it's been even more amazing than it was last year. Even I didn't think that was possible. I mean, I was riding a high for two months leaving here last year, and it's... They, they talk about the fraternity and the, and the collectiveness that you have being here, and I truly feel it this time. So I see myself going wherever they'll let me be. Um, I'm excited to be here, and it's, it's a true honor to bring some of the resources and information back to Sacramento. Excellent. I think your 40 and under award may be uh, a nidus yeah. <laughs> for you to move on to even greater things within the organization, and not only for your city, but for this nation. Thank you. So thank you again, Carter. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to the Health Disparities Podcast from Movement is Life. Please join us for new installments every two weeks by subscribing at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google. You can also find us at www.movementislifecaucus.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.